This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Motor. I almost stole your cadence there and I it's apologize right. for You're it. You're good, I'm not man. trying to break up the show. We're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern <laughs> music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? Man, I am doing fantastic. Woo. So we are wrapping up Ladies Month and folks are like... Are y'all going to end Ladies Month on a low note? And we're like, no. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. We're like, no. (laughs) We are wrapping up this month dedicated to ladies with a bombastic acoustic masterpiece. Rob, tell them what we're talking about today. This is Black Horse and the Cherry Tree by Katie Tunstall. Two, three, four. Knows it better than I know myself, so I'm gonna let her do all the talking. Ooh. Ooh. I came across a place in the middle of nowhere with a big black horse and a cherry tree. Ooh. Ooh. I felt a little fear upon my back. I said, Don't look back, just keep on walking. Ooh. Ooh. Cool use of effects coming on just that line. But I said no, 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 no. I said no, no. You're not the one for me. No, 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 no. I said no, no. You're not the one for me. Ah. Dude, this song is so tough. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. This song is is maybe small in stature. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it wears a leather vest. That's right. And it will beat you to a pulp <laughs> if you cross it. It's so funny the way we've staggered these ladies month. We went from like... Lee and Kate, who are the most caring, sweetest. Yeah. And we've sandwiched them between two girls that could beat the snot out Abs- of us. Yes. That were like, yeah, that would kick Absolutely. us in the, t- in the teeth physically yeah. and with song. That's right. That And that would be Katie Tunstall and Tracy Bonham, who are right. both very sweet. Amazing but, ladies. But also like just, yeah, tough. Oh, like, it's awesome. You know? The, it's great. So, And we're going to speak to Katie Tunstall uh, here in just a little bit after so we talk cool. about the song. So cool. Stick around for that. She's awesome. She was so kind to spend a few minutes with us, so can't wait to talk to her. But first, let's talk about Black Horse and the Cherry Tree by Katie Tunstall from the 2004 album Eye to the Telescope. You ever done the telescope prank where you like put uh Oh, and you get Black around the eye yeah, yeah no. classic That's i think good. it's one of those things that people probably did on like sitcoms and stuff that never really happened in real yuck, life yuck, right? yuck, everybody does it kind of yeah. those laughs and not a lot of people actually using telescopes anyway just for fun anymore maybe it was a bigger thing in you, like okay. 50s and 60s do you have a friend that has a telescope yeah my like my stepdad has a telescope yeah. my, my son's had telescopes at one point but i feel like people buy telescopes and then just never use them i have a friend that has a telescope and 
it's it's set up really cool. But my favorite telescope story while we're on telescopes. Might as well. Might How as often well. do you get a chance? My cousin, when we were growing up, she had a skylight in the top of her bedroom, uh-huh. which was so cool because you could lay in the bed and look up at the stars, Easy which now. is kind of neat. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's cool. And she had a telescope that she could look up through out, the skylight, through the skylight okay. out the roof of her house. Okay. And it was just really neat. Talk about the position of Uranus. And- <laughs> Right, all that stuff. You can't, you can't talk about stars and planets and not make a Uranus joke, right? It's just not. I refuse to ever call it Uranus. That's right. It's not. I'll never do it. Okay. Anyway, back to this. How did we from the 2004 album "Eye to the Telescope"? Let's just pretend none of that ever happened. Uh, Black Horse and the Cherry Tree went to number 20 on the Hot 100. Number 15 on the mainstream top 40, number four on the U.S. adult contemporary chart, and number one on the U.S. adult top 40 and U.S. adult alternative songs charts. It also went to number seven in Canada and number 10 in Katie's native Scotland and top 20 in several other countries. It held several year-end positions as well. It was number 57 for all of 2006 on the Hot 100, number 12 on the USAC chart, and number 5 on the U.S. Adult Top 40. And on into 2007, it was number 21 on the U.S. Adult Contemporary chart for the entire year. It was nominated for a 2000 Grammy for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance, along with Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield, You Can Close Your Eyes by Sheryl Crow. Oh, Interesting. There How about we that? Go. We talked about that last week. last week. Stupid Girls by Pink, and the winner Ain't No Other Man by Christina Aguilera. This was like the year of the MySpace single, yeah. right? You remember how many of those were on people's MySpace player songs? Uh, 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 that was like the coolest thing about it. It was like, this is how I'm feeling right now, and I'm going to express it in song. And as soon as you click on my page, you're going to hear, Ain't No Other Man. Like, you know, I don't know. But that was those were like definitely... The MySpace singles for that year. Other songs up for Grammys that year were Waiting on the World to Change, Your Beautiful, uh, Bad Day, Daniel Powder, um, Over My Head, Cable Car, Hips Don't Lie, Those are all the same. Let's be Bad Day, uh, uh, Over My Head. What, yeah. was the Daniel, what was the one that you said before that? Uh, no. You're Beautiful. You're Beautiful. Yeah, James Blunt. That's James, the same song. Yes. Let's just be honest. It's the same guys singing yeah. the same song. Even that's John Mayer doing his, Waiting on the World Changes. Yeah. He's singing their same song. Right. It's true. That's amazing. Um, that's and funny. then you had like Promiscuous, Crazy by Gnarls Barkley. It was the year of MySpace, dude. It, really it was t- totally the year of MySpace. Black Horse and the Cherry Tree also got a big bump in the U.S. thanks to American Idol, which was still a massive cultural show at that point. Like, it's sort of, I don't want to say it's fizzled, but it's not, it, for a minute, American Idol was Everything. the thing, captivated the nation. Yeah, and we talked talk with Katie about uh, Catherine McPhee singing it and giving it a big jump there. Yeah. So y'all like her takes on that and everything. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, let's see. But after its appearance on uh, American Idol when Catherine McPhee sang it, the single jumped up 56 positions, eventually landing in the top 20. Yeah. And then, uh, and then Catherine McPhee came back and did it again the final week of the show um, for her last performance. Uh, that was the year, by the way, of the Soul Patrol with your winner Taylor Hicks. I don't know if you remember that, but like he, had, nobody believed he was thirty years old. That was like the age cap for American okay. Idol, and Taylor Hicks won with a head full of gray hair, oh, and everybody yeah? went, "There is no way you're thirty, dude." <laughs> um, but uh, and I got I got to introduce this sidebar. If I if I mention Taylor Hicks, there's one thing that I think about. First, it's the Soul Patrol. That's like the his thing, right? His fans were the Soul Patrol, but his, so he performed as his Idol winning song. Uh, it was called Do I Make You Proud? It was like a, um, okay. you know, they, they they always go for something that's like uplifting for the U1 song, sure. you know? Yeah. And so uh, Do I Make You Proud, written by Tracy Ackerman, Andy Watkins, and Paul Wilson. Um, and first of all, here's an idea of how huge Idol was at that point. First of all, do you know the song? 
I don't think so. Okay. Um, Should I know it? Is it popular? Well, it was huge for a second because of because of how huge Idol was. After the Idol finale, Do I Make You Proud sold almost 200,000 physical copies. Holy cow. And 40,000 downloads in its first week. Play it. In I got to know, I gotta know okay, this. Okay, all right. So. I've never been the one to raise my hand. That was not me. I'm so glad this, you asked me to play this. This is him? And now yeah. that's who I am because of you. It sounds like here, it sounds like Kenny Rogers and Lionel Richie yeah, yeah. had a kid. Dude, yes. That's, that's Kenny Rogers. My heart is full of endless gratitude. You were the one, the one to who got me through. So you don't know this song, right? I don't we'll see so. when we hit the chorus, but this is what I'm saying about the power of American Idol at that point. Is you don't even know this song. Nuh-uh. I mean, it sounds like a song, you know, like... <laughs> it certainly is a song. Nope. Okay, all right. Nuh-uh. So... That's what I'm talking about. That's the power of Idol at that point, right? Uh, is that that song that you don't even know, no. and you're the music guru, ah, that sold 200,000 copies in a week is it playing again? because of American Idol. Now what I'm going to play for a second is the Weird Al Yankovic parody. <laughs> this is called Do I Creep You Out, and it's much better. <laughs> you're the one I dream about, the only question with me now is do I Listen to this bridge. It's so funny. Call you every night and hang up. Gonna your name in my leg. In my leg. Something I should ask about. Can I sniff the pit stains on your blouse? And do I creep you? Key change. Anyway, uh, it's great. so good, it's dude. Awesome. That's one of my all-time favorite Weird Al parodies. Do I creep you out? Anyway, back to Black Horse and the Cherry Tree, which got this whole conversation started. Um, a few listening notes. First of all, how many of us thought this was Annie Lennox? Raise your hand wherever you are, even if it's on the steering wheel. Raise your hand if you thought the woohoos were Annie Lennox, right? It's, so, it, it's such an easy uh, – it doesn't take a big mental leap to go, yeah, that's Annie Lennox. It's like all the other members of the Arrhythmics are like hand raised. It's like, even you? Really? <laughs> How dare you? Uh, okay, the, the rhythm of the melody – is so natural and full of swagger. I'm talking about the verses now when we, when, yeah. when we get to the verses, okay? Just listen. It's an incredibly confident song, especially to have such sparse production, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the, and we're going to talk about Meet the Band here in just a minute, but some of the heroes of this song are the percussion. You've got just little, like, it's like a drumstick banging on a pole kind of sound, you know what I mean? <laughs> You know what I mean? And then tambourine in the chorus. Did that sound like, did Rob just write a little big town song? He's like, <laughs> drumstick banging on a pole. <laughs> <laughs> then the high harmonies come in. Drumstick banging on a pole. 
It's oh my happened. gosh! I think we did. That's copyright. That's right. 2022. I'm, Great pi- I'm pitching it to him. I'm pitching it to him. <laughs> um, so, and so, really sparse production. It's her acoustic, which is play. First of all, the riff is on an acoustic guitar played on like one string. Boom, 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 boom. Right? It's not some big, huge thing, but it just feels so right. Everything yeah. about it is like bouncy and tough. And then her vocal just like smacks you around for three minutes. Um, and then listen to this line. This is going to be in the second verse where the lyric says, so I stopped it dead for a beat or two. Okay, listen to how everything works together to sell this line. I'm a hot problem in the hour, so stopped it dead for a beat or two. Ooh. Right? Uh, yeah. So you get the stop, and then when she says beat or two, you get two hits on the percussion. Yeah. Cat, cat, yeah. And then you're back in. I love that. And then this, her vocal on this next, the ending of this next uh, phrase, won't forgive me after all these years, is like... It's just so <laughs> tough, dude. Like, listen to this. But I cut some cut and I shouldn't have done it, and it won't forgive me after all these years. Nah. The, the like natural, um, like compression and like grit. She, yeah, yeah, has in her voice yeah, there, dude. Good. Put that up against any. I don't care. Any whoever your toughest, like uh-huh. whatever dude vocalist you've got that's like has a tough voice. Yeah, I put it up against anything, dude. That is. Put it up against Taylor Hicks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. She like she's if she sang that in Taylor Hicks's face, he would immediately start crying. Right. Like, would not even be able to His handle. His gray hair's falling out. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. That's good, man. Um, and then a, another really cool thing about this is you should really you really owe it to yourself to uh, watch her do this live, right? Oh, absolutely. She, when we talked to her about live looping and stuff, you know, um, and a lot of people know that like Ed Sheeran, if you go see him yeah. live, he's going to do a lot, of, a lot of live looping. She was doing this, you know, earlier. Predecessor th- by far. That's right. But. And so she, you know, you go to see her live and she does this by setting up the loop and she's like hitting things and she loops the woohoo and then she yep. woohoo. It's awesome. And then, you know, all that stuff. Um, and then a little percussion in there too. It's just, it's just very cool to watch her set it all up and then perform the song on the spot. She's building a track for you, you know, and it's, it's really neat. Um, okay. I've got some on the album, but why don't we go ahead and meet the band now and then we'll talk about the album. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the meet the band which will be real short no i'm just kidding there's only two people that play on this track but i'm going to talk about the band that plays on the full album um just to give them their their mention but basically only katie and luke on this track so we'll mention uh, the band the rest below and then i'll talk on who, I, who who luke is below but katie tunstall vocals um she plays some lead guitar uh wurlitzer pianet shell tone horn piano Dope for bass, chimes, and additional percussion on this album. Steve Osborne also plays some shell tone horn, bass, additional guitar, and percussion. Arnulf Linder on double bass, bass guitar, and baritone guitar on different tracks. Martin Tarif, some additional keyboards thrown in. Ian Burge on cello um, on some tracks. Uh, Luke that we speak of is Luke Bullen, so the drumstick banging on a pole <laughs> that Rob wrote earlier is him. He does all the drums, percussion, uh, Cajon. He played with uh, Joe Strummer. So, uh, so yeah, that's the band. It's really thin because it's basically Katie and Luke. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you get Katie some bass in there on the chorus. 
Um, but that's yeah, about it. I mean, that. it's yeah. And she's yeah, and she's doing it. So let's do that. Let's pa- let's go ahead. I want to jump in to stump the genius because I think it follows up good after drumstick banging on a pole. Okay, here we go. <laughs> stump the genius. Stump the genius. Stump the genius. It's time to stump the genius. Jump up and take your part. I take your part. All right, so drumstick banging on a pole. Just kidding. Stuff the genius. We're going to play horse trivia. What? Black horse in the cherry tree. We're okay. going on a little horse trivia. All right. Got eight, wow. eight questions for you, Rob. This is going to be zero of eight. Here we I go. Mean, what is, question one. Where's my bell? Okay. He's going to do good. What is a female horse called? A ninny? A mare. Okay. okay. That's right. <laughs> All right, a ninny. I didn't say a ninny. That's know. like a name for an idiot, right? Okay, I think so. I was thinking like a whinny. You say a yeah, horse whinnies. I guess. <laughs> what? I guess a ninny. Okay. What color can a horse not see? Just pick a color if you don't know. Orange. Red. Okay. okay Interesting. What was the 19th century novel about a horse? That was written Black by... Beauty. Black Beauty. Black Beauty! We got one out the gate. <laughs> Weirdly, it's the the question about a book. I know. Right? Wow. We're about to catch some momentum. Here we right. go. What was the mid-20th century TV show featuring oh. a talking okay. horse? Mr. Ed. Mr. Right. Ed. Okay. Oh, right. man. We've got some momentum. All right. We're 50% right now. Which Disney princess had a horse named Major? Which Disney princess had a horse named Rob, Major? Big Disney I'm going to take a guess here. Is it Mulan? It's Cinderella. Oh, oh wow. Okay. okay. So okay. we're all right. We're all right. We're still within within right. grounds. In 1973, which horse won the Triple Crown? And before you answer, okay. it's probably the most popular yeah, horse. Secretariat. Secretariat. Right? Okay. There right. we go. I do know that. So we're 50%. Here we go. Two left to be over the Mendoza line. Okay. True or false? We'll make both these. Horses cannot breathe through their mouth. That's such a weird thing. I'm going to say it has to be true. That is weird and true. Wow. True or false? Horses have the largest eyes of any land mammal. Any land mammal. Largest eyes. I don't know. Like, you think elephants. Elephants are huge, but I think they have small eyes. Giraffes got some pretty big eyes, though. I'm going to go... Boy, wait, did you say land animal or mammal? Land mammal. Land mammal. So I don't even know what all mammals are. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know if a giraffe is a mammal. 50%. I'm going to say no. False. Okay, it's true. Dang it. Biggest okay. eyes. Well, we finished 50%, all right. so we'll yeah. call that a win. Okay. But we are a music podcast, so we're going to stump the genius round two. Whoa. Here we go with some music okay. stuff. Here we go. We're going to name this horse artist. Okay. You want to toss me the cable? <laughs> so this songs will have horses in them. I got nine songs. Let me think here real quick. I'm going to... Uh, so these are horse songs, these not are necessarily horse, horse artists. Nope. And you're going to name me the artist of which... Uh, oh, I see. I see. Okay. So I'm going to play the song. Let me think. Nine. How how much per song? Let me give you a minute. I think a minute. Can you get through nine? In a, in a minute? Let's try that's, it. Uh, yeah. That's about six seconds a we don't song. Wanna, we don't want to drag drag on our dear listener. So Exactly. So we're going to go... We're going to give him one minute. You want to put a it. timer? You want to sure. put a minute yeah, timer? Yeah. While Rob's looking up the minute timer, I'm going to queue up... Horse trivia or horse stump the genius. Now, okay, when you make these playlists for stump the genius, do you make them public on Spotify? Could somebody go on Spotify right now know. and find JP's horse trivia may, playlist? May, I delete them <laughs> as soon as we record them. Okay, okay. So, yeah, now I don't want somebody, because somebody looks in my library and they're like, what in the world? This guy's got the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> All right, here we go. We're getting, let me know when you're ready. All right, I got a timer set for one right. minute. And- one minute, and I will give a countdown. Here okay. we go. That's Horse With No Name, America. America. Oh, man. And you can pass anytime if you get That's, stuck. That's uh, a... It's a horse song, right? It is. 
Oh, if you get stuck, pass. Pass for now. Oh, that's uh, what red horse, dark horse, Bob, Katy Perry. Katy Perry, good job. Oh man, this is. Oh, these go so quick. Pass if you get Ooh. stuck. You're gonna you're gonna get some momentum here. Pass. Oh, another horse trimmer's blues. Counting crows. Counting crows. If you, oh, this takes a minute to get into. I should have given you more time. Let's up it to ninety seconds. You know this one? I don't have a clue what this okay, is. Okay, you know the artist, but go ahead, pass. Okay, pass. pass. I, bro. You'll get there once you hear the first thing. People are yelling at you. I know, right? No. Is it, I, I should. This is gonna be some, somebody super obvious, so right? Let me try to get you some vocals. That's Taylor. That's Taylor. Swift. Okay. Yeah. That's uh. Okay. Let me go back to the others and let's just see how quick okay. we can get. Them. Actually, I had one more. Yeah. It's Scoot Ford's. And... You know, the, the theme from Bonanza. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, uh. Save a horse ride a cowboy. Big and rich. Big and rich. Good job. Okay. Let me try to get you back to this one. We passed. I'm not gonna make it. It okay. get too far. You know this? Ah oh, man, uh, that's beer for my horses. Toby Keith and okay. Willie Nelson. All right, and I passed this one because it takes too while to get in. You know, I got would you get? You know who that artist is? Switchfoot. Switchfoot. Okay. Dark horses. I love that song. That's my deep cut of. I don't know the song, but oh, I love John Foreman's voice. I didn't even get to this one. That's free falling <laughs> that's Tom right. Petty. That's right. Why is it a horse song? Uh, really? Free falling? Yeah, think about it. Oh, and horses. <laughs> <laughs> In America, too. She yeah. loves right. horses. Wow. Have you seen Kevin Bacon do that? Yes, I think we talked about that on our so Tom Petty funny. episode. That's right. It's so good. Dang it. horses. Okay. I don't, I don't even know. Where, I had a lost track account. But yeah, I don't know. I flopped. I hope you guys had fun with I some do. horses. You did pretty good. If you did, all not, right. you did over 50%. If my performance was a horse, I'd be headed to the glue factory. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, man. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the album, Eye to the Telescope. Um you ever know? Did you have friends with a telescope? I'm just kidding. We did all that already. <laughs> I was um, like, "What is happening?" <laughs> uh, it was released in the UK, December 2004, and it was re-released less than a month later in January 2005. How weird is that? Yeah. Uh, here's what happened. Katie had a great performance on a show called Later with Jules Holland, which that we talked with her some about. Buzz. Yeah. And so Relentless Records reissued the album in January 05, but still in the UK only. It didn't release in the US until February of 2006. Took a full year, which seems like a long time. Um, It was the number 50 best-selling album of the 2000s in the UK. Like of that decade, it was the number 50 album. That's up there. Massive. It was nominated for a 2005 Mercury Prize for Best Album from the UK or Ireland, along with X and Y by Coldplay and a few others. Um, that prize was won by the Anthony and the Johnsons album, I Am a Bird Now. I'm always shocked. We've talked about this. Always shocked about how frighteningly unaware I am of some UK music. Like, I just don't know it. You know what I mean? Stuff that's huge that we've never heard of, right? You get into, the, like, Joe Dolce's of the world especially, but, you know, I have no idea what that is. Um... It also includes the number 21 Hot 100 hit, Suddenly I See, which probably oh, play yeah. a little Suddenly yeah, I See. Yeah, absolutely. Talk about another mean tone. Her face is a map of the world, is a map of the world. You can see she's a beautiful girl, she's a beautiful girl. I like the 
song a lot. I love melodies that land on the flat seven. Silver pool of light. People who surround feel the benefit of it. Great melody. Great cadence on the melody. Suddenly I So that's Katie crushing it. Suddenly I see. Uh, and then Other Side of the World, which also charted really well in the UK. Uh, let's see. Uh, Eye to the Telescope was the number seven UK album of 2005, according to the official charts company. It was the number 33 Billboard European album of 2005. And in, uh, in 2006, it was number 55. It was the number seven U.S. Billboard album of 2006, the number 12 U.S. top rock albums, and number 137 on the Billboard 200 again in 2007. So, like, didn't just hop in and leave, but stuck around. Staying power, yeah. Uh, It certified five times platinum in in both the U.K. and Ireland, double platinum in Europe as a whole, and platinum in the U.S., Canada, and New Zealand, and it has sold more than four million copies worldwide. It is listed as the number 51 UK album of the decade, according to the official charts company, and the number 34 female album of all time in Ireland. So uh, that's, I mean, when you think about, like, of, of, all, of all female albums ever released in Ireland, Eye to the Telescope is number 34. All time, period. Um, and, of course, we had to know what the top five Absolutely. are. Absolutely. Right? So the top five biggest female albums of all time in Ireland. Number five, you want to take it, just take a wild guess. You're not going to get it right. Five. You'll go, okay, that makes sense. But it's, Ireland. Cranber- do, not, doesn't have to be like by UK artists. It's by anybody. Cranberries. Cranberries, not on there. Okay. Not in that top five, sorry. Okay. So. I'll just go with it. Just help me. Number five is Tracy Chapman by Tracy Chapman. Okay. Tracy well, Chapman's debut. Number four is Spirit by Leona Lewis. I would never have it's Kind of a there. surprise. Yeah. Number three, Back to Black, Amy Winehouse. Okay. Number two, The Fame by Lady Gaga. Okay. Number one, you want to take a guess? No. Now, given that back. Okay. Number one is 21 by Adele. Those okay. are the top five like female albums of all time in Ireland. Uh, let's see a little bit more on Katie Tunstall, AKA Kate Victoria Tunstall. She was nominated for the Brit award for best British live act and best breakthrough award in 2006. And she won the award for European border breakers, which that just sounds like a cool category. Yeah. I guess it's, it's kind of a crossover term. I assume, um, unless she literally broke some kind of border. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's a thing. Tear down the wall. <laughs> she also won the novella awards for suddenly I see Scottish style award for most stylish band or musician and the BMI London Pop Awards for Suddenly I See and Other Side of the World. More recently, she won a 2016 Music Week Award for Inspirational Artist of the Year. That's awesome. How about that? Here's a little bit from Wikipedia. A little bit. That's what I said. Here's a little bit. Shouldn't have done that. Here's a little bit more on Katie. This is from Wikipedia. Tunstall's first name is Kate, but she chooses to use her initials KT, pronounced Katie, instead, saying, quote, Katie just makes me think of a buxom lass baking bread for her man working in the fields. I have no problem with that, but it's just not really how I pictured being a rock star, uh, end quote. The spelling KT, as opposed to just Katie, also differentiates her from fellow singer Katie Malua, and she also said that she derived KT from KT Impact, the name of a geological event that caused the extinction of dinosaurs. Back-to-back Kates. 
for That's it. That's right. Kate Taylor, also a KT, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then, yeah, Katie Tunstall. How about that? Uh, and then Kate every, Taylor did it first. One Kate week. Taylor, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and then uh, my last note that I have on her is that very recently uh, she headlined Times Square's New Year's Eve celebration in 2021 into 2022. Like this most recent uh, New Year's Eve, she played as the ball dropped in Times awesome. Square headlining that uh, cool concert event. So that's a thing that for me, I always wonder if that's a thing I would want to be at. To go to the ball drop? Yeah, to go to the ball drop. It's like, crowded. It seems very crowded. It seems like it would take you a long time to get in Co- and out. Cold. Cold. You're standing the whole time. Yeah. And like packed in like sardines. It's kind of one However, of those things I guess you should do it once to say you did it. Yeah. That's kind of, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> May. I don't even know if I want to do it yeah, once. Yeah. It might be one of those things that's bit like better to watch on TV. This is going to sound silly, but I would want really bad seats for that. Like I would want to stand in the back, yeah. to get out quick. Oh yeah. my gosh, I'm such an old man right now <laughs> saying this. But like I can see the ball. Yeah, the it's ball's huge. huge. I'm not going to miss that. And I could say I was at Times Square. Yeah, yeah, and right. I did it. Heard I, the concert. Katie Tunstall right. was there. She was awesome. That's right. Um, and then you know saw the ball <laughs> drop, and then I was at home by like one thirty. That's right. You know, so yeah. Saw Ryan Seacrest on the uh, in the, <laughs> on ast- the screen. asterisk on the screen. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's great. All right, uh, we're gonna go talk to Katie herself. Oh man, this is great. And we'll be back at the end to tuck you in. But first, make sure you do a couple things. Stop whatever you're doing. Um, if you're changing a baby, just let it wait. It's, <laughs> I promise it's gonna poop some more. Just hold on a minute. Give it some time. Um, just save that diaper change and go to. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, <laughs> and, and uh, search us at Great Song Pod. Follow us there uh, and join the Facebook group, uh, Great Songs, and the great people who love them greatly. And do one more thing for us: if you really love the show, if you want to help us make more of it and do uh, more with it, and help us cover our costs um, and maybe make a little scratch on the side to buy ourselves a dinner, that would be awesome. You can do that by going to Patreon.com/slash. Great song pod. That's P A T R E O N dot com. So that's C O M. If you've never heard, if you if you're new to the internet, com is spelled C O M. Um, it's short for company and uh, or communicate. It's short for company, right? Dot com. Commerce. Sure. Commerce. That's go. what it's short for. Everything's money. Uh, Patreon dot com slash Great Song Pod. If you want to support the show. Whatever level of engagement you are with the show, if this is your first time listening or if you're a day one listener that listened uh, to our very first episode on uh, Mark Cohn, we want to thank you for hanging around and for bearing with us as we grew up in the podcast world. And um, thanks for your support on every level, whether you're a uh, casual listener or a, or a diehard uh, Patreon supporter. Thank you so much. We are going to go talk to the one and only Katie Tunstall, and she's going to kick you in the face. <laughs> and then we'll be back to tuck you in at the end. This is the Great Song Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are here with the one and only Katie Tunstall joining us today via Zoom from, I don't know, whatever lovely place you're in today. Uh, thank you so much I for joining us. I am in Canyon. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you so much for being with us today on the Great Song Podcast. Uh, we, we are excited, excited to talk to you about some things. So let's, let's go ahead and jump in. Um, First of all, we are uh, our our episode is focusing on Black Horse and the Cherry Tree, uh, one of the songs that you are best known for. Um, so why don't we start there? Um, kind of give us the story. I, I know I've read some about it in doing research, um, but just kind of walk us through sort of the story of uh, uh, behind the song and, and how it came to be. So it was a, it was a really unusual song actually because I think when I was uh, writing 
which is like 15, 15 to 20 years ago now when I wrote that song, I was definitely more in the habit of writing uh, very, what I would call automatic writing. I think it's called automatic writing, where you really don't spend a lot of time thinking about what the lyrics are meaning. You're just writing down very spontaneously what is coming to you. And I, th I think it's a really interesting writing uh, uh, practice. Um, and I've seen it kind of written in, in, in lots of books talking about being creative. It's just when you get up in the morning, just taking a pen and just getting a journal and just writing whatever is coming out of your brain. And in some ways, it just feels like a bit of a kind of direct line to your subconscious, you know? Sure. You're not kind of filtering what's coming out. And I'd been listening to a lot of old blues. I'd been reading that old Alan Lomax book about kind of the anonymous blues music from South and um, how a lot of these recordings were just kind of people banging things and slapping their thighs and, and, uh, and, and real live mixing on a microphone where whoever was singing would come up to the mic and then they'd back off. And, um, but at all those old recordings, you know, you have a real sense that you're in the room with these people which I love. So I was very inspired by that. And at the same time, I just signed my record deal with uh, a, a record label called Relentless, who I'm still signed to, but it's through Virgin Records in the UK. But for a very long time, I didn't want to sign a record deal. I wanted to stay independent and I wanted to do things myself and I didn't really want to be part of the machine. And so <laughs> signing a record deal for me was actually like really, it was kind of, it was, I felt like I'd been, um, I felt a little beaten by the system because mm. I was hoping that I, I, I didn't need to do that. And in the end that I, I, I did, and I'm, you know, I had an amazing career, um, through signing that deal, but there was definitely a kind of re rebellious part of me that felt like I was signing my soul away to the devil. And that was making me think about that old Robert Johnson, uh, <laughs> you know, blues idea of devil at the crossroads and that's kind of what this song was about but when people ask me about the lyrics it's just I I'm still kind of working out what that song is actually about mm. but um yeah I mean the no no you're not the one for me was was kind of about signing a deal wow um but kind of having to do it you know mm. wow. making that's the pact making that's right making the the necessary evil of uh, yeah. being part of the the record industry, I saw you do a really yeah. cool um, a really cool mashup, and I don't know if you do this regular or if or if this was uh, just a, a one time thing. But at the I think it was the Kindle Calling uh, Festival in 2019, you did a cool mashup of Black Horse and the Cherry Tree with Seven Nation Army, um, and you yeah. did you did essentially most of the song yourself. And then the band came in and joined you. And I think there were uh, yeah. some of the dancing with weird horse masks and things like that. But uh, <laughs> I basically made like I made a deal with my crew that and the band as well, actually, that they could atone for any mistakes they made if they wore costumes. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had some gigs where my tech and my monitor guy wore three costumes in one show. <laughs> Well, if you let me and Rob wow. know, we would have come prepared for all of our our box questions. Was definitely we could have a horse whenever hat. you, yeah, whenever you gig in Japan, there's there's amazing stores over there for for kind of Halloween costumes and things. So we always kind of stock up on costumes when we go to Japan. Oh, that's great. But um, the other the other thing behind Black Horse was that um, I just got that loop pedal, 
um, which I kind of became known for. And uh, really, Black Horses also was just an exercise in learning how to use the loop. Wow. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because obviously the later with Jules Holland is kind of the thing that that propelled uh, in my mind, like the that got you going yeah. with, the, with the looper. Which looper pedal do you use? What's your your gear of choice on that? Do you use the same one that you used then? Have you upgraded? Is it like a I JM use looper exactly or exactly the same pedal as okay. I first used. I started on the Mark One. It's an Akai Headrush. Okay. Okay. Um, so I started on the Mark One and I then moved to the Mark Two. But I mean, it does a bunch of stuff. I have no idea. It's like a tape echo and delay. I've never even tried them. I should really like mess around, but it's a very rudimentary pedal with like one input and no, you can't save anything. It's all completely live. I had a really funny thing happen where uh, I was on the road and, and Akai have never like, have never done me a solid. They've never sent me a thing. I've never been in touch. And, uh, and, and my pedal, I, you know, I stamp on it a lot. Yeah. So yeah. they tend to break now and then and it broke. And actually the quickest way of getting another one on the road was eBay. Really? Um, and I found one and I mailed the guy and I was like, wow, this is actually pretty cheap and it's, it's kind of not been used. And so he got it sent to wherever I was on tour. And then I realized I hadn't changed my name on my eBay account that I'd set up like, you know, 10 years ago. And it had my name on it. And the guy emails me and just go, goes, are you Katie Thompson? <laughs> and I was like, I'm just going to tell him that I am. I was like, yes, I am. He goes, well, this is really weird because I bought that loop pedal because of you. Oh, that's wow. awesome. And then that's- I got it. And then I couldn't work out how to use it. And now I'm selling it to you cheaper than you would buy it for in a store. I was like, Wow. <laughs> I've like single-handedly lowered the market value <laughs> that I need to buy. <laughs> That's great. That worked out well for you. It worked out well. It so, did. And then there was a whole, I put the whole thing on Twitter and it was so funny. There was so many musicians I knew going, I bought that pedal because of you and now you're going to buy it from me cheap. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. So, so going by initials, um, does that ever get, do you ever get called the wrong initials? I go by JP, um, not my, my yeah. name is Joseph Preston. Do you get called, do you ever get called the wrong initials? initials when you were starting well because of katie lang i i uh-huh. definitely because of the uh, because of the accent thing people yeah. sometimes think it's kd yeah. yeah um but uh i've just found that that there when i when i started uh when i got my deal there was a there was a huge kind of rush of female artists who just used their full names um nora jones kind of kicked it off she was mm-hmm. like the, the the forerunner and then there was just tons of singer songwriter females just using their full names and i just thought i it would be good to do something to kind of stand out a little bit and well i'm a huge fan of make initials. it a bit memorable so well, yeah well, well i'm done. a big pj harvey fan so okay. I, oh, yeah. well there you go I except you know it's actually just my initials so yeah. it's kate tunstall tunstall <laughs> i think the t i decided the t was just the Kate the sure. Tunstall. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I like that. Absolutely. I, I feel like I feel like having the having the initials uh, lends you some um, not lends it sort of speaks to me to your uh, attitude. I don't know why, but it makes sense yeah. to me the initials with your sort of attitude. Uh, and I wonder. I love in, oh, in watching some some interviews and some uh, live footage and those kind of things. I just love the energy that you bring to everything, and and you just kind of have a. Um, it's it's almost a punk attitude that you bring sometimes that I really oh, that I really you. enjoy. And I was wondering, especially early on, um, 
you know, maybe in your when you did when you did decide to to sign with a label and those kind of things, did you ever get people telling you you might need to tone this down if you want to reach a broader audience or that kind of thing? Did you ever have to fight with that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, there's there is an interesting and thank you. That's a huge compliment. Um, I think punk spirit as a musician is um, is a really exciting foundation to come from, even if you're not making punk music, which I'm not. There's definitely, I feel that yeah. about myself and I, I feel that, that I bring that to a live show and there's always a kind of element of um, unhingedness <laughs> <laughs> with my recording process and with the show. Um, I think um, where it became obvious was uh, in the mixing process with the record. So I'd never really made records in studios, you know, I just kind of recorded on four tracks or whatever and put it on cassette tapes and sold it at shows and then CDs, you know. (laughs) Um, But uh, when I made this first album, I didn't really understand. No one explained to me that you record and then it gets sent to get mixed by someone and then it gets mastered by someone. I didn't really know that. And the mix of a record can completely change an album. It's really absolutely staggering how much the mix process. So when, when you're mixing, um, for those people listening who aren't familiar with the process, Every, every piece of audio, the vocals, the guitar, the drums are all on a little separate track and they get sent to the mixer. The mixer can put effects on, they can edit, they can change the levels. So you can have a quiet drummer or a loud drummer. You can have big reverb on the vocals that makes you sound like you were in a church when you were actually recording in a bathroom. Right. There's so much scope for changing how something sounds in the mix. And I was absolutely broadsided because I I would always I would always be involved in the mix process now, but I didn't know that on my first record. And it kind of got whisked away and mixed without me. Um and it came back and just sounded so polished and kind of polite compared <laughs> to what I'd actually made. And um it was actually really tough on me. I was I was sort of really shocked and it felt like um at the time the rawness and the punkness of it kind of got ironed out um and which is crazy because when i go back and listen to it now i still hear all the rawness in that record it's a very raw record so i don't know how it would have sounded if i had been in charge <laughs> but um you know it was difficult because it then went on to sell like five million copies okay. and so I couldn't sit there going, yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> um, but I think just just overall, it's a weird, it's a weird process when you've not been through that before. Yeah. Um, where there's a sort of ne- necessary collaboration on the end product, which I wasn't used to having to deal with. I was used to just doing everything myself. So um, there was uh, there was definitely tricky and you know black horse and suddenly i see became these behemoth amazing smash hits which is just one of the most phenomenal things that can happen to you as an artist is to have these songs that travel the world on your behalf and everywhere you go they are already there (laughs) waiting for you you know um but also it, it, it that's what you become known for 
And so that's what people expect from you. And so you then also have a kind of subsequent life of, of always kind of beating up against the edges of those songs and people going, oh, well, that doesn't sound like you. Right. It's like, well, I did have some other stuff, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's like nine other songs on that record, in case you didn't know. Yeah. Oh, the, but, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's a fantastic problem to have, sure. you know, because every, every artist's dream really is just turning up in a new city and everyone's singing the words, which right. is just the, an amazing, amazing feeling. Well, there's parts of these where we just kind of like gush over things that we love about the artist, and I think the, this will segue in nice. I love the Eye of the Telescope, the entire album. I think another place Thank to you. fall is a really smart play as track two can be just as important as track one when you're keeping up with the flow of a project. And track three, Under the Weather, written with Tommy D. I mean, that guy's a yeah. that guy's a legend. Stuff with Beyonce, yeah, Jay Z, Janet Jackson, Adele. How'd you end up hooking up with? Tommy D on the project. That's awesome. So Tommy, when I when I got I went to London, I was in Scotland and I knew I didn't want to move to London until I actually had a bit of money in my pocket. Because it's just one of those situations where, you know, being in a being in a major and expensive city with no cash is <laughs> is is a very is can be quite a depressing existence <laughs> where it's actually staying in Scotland where I was living, it was cheap to live. There were places to play. I had friends there. So I told myself, right, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go to the city until I've actually got a reason to be there. Um, and, and my reason was I ended up getting a publishing deal first mm. before my record deal. And my publisher, it was Sony, uh, who I'm still with. And they were really cool because often, especially I was 29, 28, 29 when I got my publishing deal. So I wasn't that young. And there's often, um, you know, uh, a kind of, I think now even more so they push you towards co-writing and maybe writing for other people mm-hmm. yeah. rather than writing for yourself. But they never really did that with me. They were very confident that I was going to be an artist in my own right. So I was always just writing for myself, which was great. And, and Tommy was also on Sony at the time. So they, they, so I'd never co-written before. Okay. Um, so it was quite an experience kind of getting hooked up with these different people. And another one was Martin Treffa, yeah. who I wrote Other Side of the World with. And yeah. I've basically, I've written songs. I've probably written 30 songs with him over the last 20 years. Yep. Um, I, I love but that. But Tommy, actually, Tommy and I have a song on the new record, which is uh, probably going to be the single. Actually. Oh, cool. Oh, so you're still doing stuff. So, with That's awesome. Yeah. Any? Uh... It was an old co-write, actually. Oh, was it? Um, but we're still very much in touch. But it was, um, yeah, he was he was awesome fun. I think I remember writing with him, and I was like playing on Gene Simmons' guitar, and it was <laughs> it, we were having cool. we were having a super cool time. He's he's just all fun to me. He he really um, I think values uh, the joy of it. So if you're having a good time, you're more likely to write something good. You know. That's I good, love man. I love that video too that you do from that one. Any any phrase that any song that has the phrase "feels like home" just takes me somewhere. And I want, oh, I want that, that. Tra- I want that trailer with those awesome orange curtains. Do you remember <laughs> what you were writing on the window? Um, that's like, and do you remember because you're writing something on the window with the rain outside? You- I have no idea what I was writing. <laughs> I was probably writing something mean about the director because we didn't get on. <laughs> That's good. That's funny. It was really funny. We were kind of at odds with each other, and then because I felt like we'd had the storyline, and then he changed it on the day. And yeah, but the really funny thing was at the very end of the shoot. It was kind of cold that day, 
there was a whole thing where we were going to make it rain inside the trailer. Okay. So it felt like it was raining on the inside of the caravan. So they, the roof was chopped off because all the lighting was, you know, on, on top. Anyway, they were really worried about me being cold. So they put the shower heads over the uh, trailer, turned the water on. Obviously, you're only going to get one shot. Yeah. And it was so cold. It was just like a steam room. Uh, it was like instant steam room and you couldn't see anything. Couldn't use any of the... Uh, and, uh, <laughs> Totally, totally unusable. Oh, that's awesome. That's it. Well, yeah, and you mentioned writing with Martin. I love Other Side of the World. Um, that's a great first song. So that's pretty much the introduction to yeah. KT for the world about long-distance yeah. relationships. That really hits home with me. Yeah. Me and my wife did a long-distance when we were dating, so love that. Um, and that's probably my favorite KT song. Uh, and my wife oh, would thank lo- you so much. She would love the scarf that you're wearing in that video. She's a scarf wearer. <laughs> I still have it. Somewhere. Oh, dude, that's a that's like that's going to be in a Hard Rock somewhere someday. That's like <laughs> the scarf. That's awesome. So good stuff on that. But under the weather, it was a really interesting song because that was actually it was a good example of sort of stealth subject matter because that song was actually about nine eleven. Oh, oh wow. wow! I didn't realize. And that. I wrote that after the attacks, and it was just you know where everybody really desperately wanted to be with the people they love. Yeah. Um, and it was just this kind of cloud over the whole world at that time, you know? So that was actually about, about the terrorist attacks. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, I'm going to take it back because you just made me think of something. If if there was, uh, and there there probably is somewhere, uh, uh, some of something of yours in a hard rock somewhere. If there isn't already, there needs to be. Uh, what is there? There is. Okay. Then let's see. Is it is it a musical instrument or is it an article of clothing? Yes, it's a musical instrument. Okay, so I'm going to take a guess. I'm going to guess a guitar would make is, sense, yeah, right? Was it like an acoustic guitar or not acoustic? It's actually okay. not even real. Oh, oh, okay. Do tell. It's the mirror ball <laughs> guitar from the Hold On video. Okay, oh, wow. All right. So. It was the it was the guitar that was on the cover of Drastic Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. Well, since we're talking so about the guitar that's on the cover is, I think, completely fake. It's just made out of like hardwood and bits of mirrorball. Okay. And then the the guitar that was in the Hold On video, which is in the Hard Rock in Glasgow in Scotland, uh, was just an old beat up guitar, and they just covered it in like mirrorball tiles. Very cool. Oh, and I think my. Yeah, on the on the UK album cover, I'm actually wearing rainbow suspenders. It's a different photograph on the okay. UK album cover, and the rainbow suspenders are also in a hard rock. Nice, nice. that's nice. cool. I love. I that. was going to say, eventually, one of your cool Supro guitars needs to end up yeah. in a hard rock. When you're done with it, they are. They're they're just they're awesome. I, and I feel like they fit your vibe very well. Like they 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 really fit that attitude that we talked about earlier. I just love yeah. Well, they they also fit not having shoulder pain. Ah, because those things they're like made of fiberglass they're plastic wow. so they're kind of like bakel like guitars so they're super light and uh, really easy to play that's nice. awesome well you mentioned drastic fantastic so i have to talk about my favorite video i think the best music video you've done is saving my face i love it with the slow motion oh, thank the you slow motion items and the hologram versions of kt that's so so <laughs> cool so that's my favorite video since you talked on that i wanted to highlight that so a really cool little uh, factoid about that video is that um, the, the, we blow up a guitar. <laughs> so part of the Saving My Vase Face video throughout the, the, the video is this kind of slow motion. It's a Gretsch jet. 
I don't think it was a real Gretsch chair. <laughs> One would hope not. But it, but the guitar explodes, and there's amazing footage of like the the con- the piece, volume yeah. knob. So it's in reverse, and it's kind of, the guitar is coming back together during the video. So the special effects guy was the guy who did Indiana Jones and Star Wars. Oh, no kidding! Well, look at that! Wow! Yeah, that's serious business yeah. right there. That's he awesome. was he was he was special special effects royalty. That's yeah. awesome. That's fantastic. Well, t- uh, talking about videos, I, I want to talk about a little bit. This is su- such a cool thing, and it's one of the f- – I don't really think I've seen this much. Uh, but you actually have a music course available by, by video on uh, Music yeah. Gurus where you teach some of your songs. You talk about your creative process, even your songwriting approach. And it looks like you really had a great time doing it. Uh, what was that process like, and, and how's the response been? It's been amazing and I really enjoyed it because it was not a very conventional way of teaching. So I've never had guitar lessons. Um, I've had some vocal coaching to sort of make sure I don't lose my voice, but I've never, I, I, I learned piano. I, I got piano lessons, but I've never actually had like guitar and singing lessons. So I don't really have a background of how to teach someone else how to do it. So I sort of felt a, a slight amount of imposter syndrome that I was sort of being asked to tell people how to do this stuff. And actually, I think it's a really nice way of teaching of just, you're, you're actually talking about how you do what you do. Right. It's not talking about how you do, how you play guitar. Mm-hmm. You're just talking about how I play guitar yeah. um, and how I write songs. And, uh, and often, you know, when you've taught yourself how to do these things, you've not really sat down and thought about how you do it. So it's quite interesting actually going through the process of kind of analyzing it yourself of how do you play this song and how do you how do you get that sound and how did I learn how to meet my guitar while I'm chugging away and you know um kind of strumming style and just remembering back to some of the challenges that I had when I was learning um and what I did to overcome them what's your what's your typical most comfortable writing process are you guitar pen and paper are you lyrics first then put music with it are you music and then let's fill in the gaps later does it change i would say probably most normal is guitar pen absolutely pen and paper um always <laughs> and um i usually come up with a lyric or a title okay so there's always a melody that goes with a chord progression but i'll often find a chord progression that i like first okay and then build around the title for the yeah. Rest of the, okay. Yeah. Sure. I think it's really interesting, though. Um, writing lyrics first is a really good exercise because I think you end you do end up with a kind of slightly more poetic set of lyrics. I think when you write with no music, when it's completely unbound by rhythm. Um, th- there was a song on my album, Invisible Empire Crescent Moon. Uh, it's called Yellow Flower, and it was about my uh, friend I lost to cancer, and I wrote a poem about her. And then set that to music. And I think lyrically you can hear it's a slightly different feel. It's a, it's a more poetic feel to the lyrics because of the order of how I wrote it. Mm, interesting. Um, you've done a lot of collaborating recently. Um, you, you've just kind of really gone all over the map, everyone from like blood, wine or honey to Alan Cumming, uh, you know, yeah. what sort of inspired this wave of creativity? Did it, did it start as kind of a result of the pandemic and just being locked down or something? Yeah, else? definitely. I mean, I had, I was meant to do 200 shows in 2020. Wow. Yeah, it was going to be an extremely busy year and, you know, it was just working out how to 
keep momentum mm. going with you know being in the middle of a trilogy and keeping fans excited about things that you're doing and keeping them engaged and um and also just keeping myself creative sure. it was I, I usually when I'm on the road you don't have an awful lot of bandwidth for doing stuff like that you're not often in an environment where you can sit and record stuff it's always noisy and so it was just a really nice opportunity to just say yes to stuff that I would not usually be able to do I'll tell our listeners an album that you have that's kind of different than the rest that I've been binging on. I've been really listening to a lot of acoustic extravaganza. Oh, I don't know if you can see that. That's comp- I love that record. That's a great album, and it's. I wanted to talk a little bit since you mentioned the mixing and the mastering part of it. I think it's pretty consistent all the way through. One thing I love about it, too, is me and Rob both play in ch- – we're both church musicians, and – the, one of the most annoying things that can be is bad usage of a tambourine, but I think your tambourine usage on track two is fantastic. So I want to give props so to the good use of the tambourine because I don't always <laughs> yeah, get to bad, highlight that. Bad tambourine is – Bad tambourine is, uh, will ruin everything. Yeah. So that's smart that's, tambourine. That's work. a certain type of purgatory. <laughs> it really that's is, good. yeah. That's and good. you know, live, I, I don't know how you do it. I mean, I, I'm, I was watching you live and then really that not only had you you had added some tambourine to a loop but then you were kicking it live yeah. like you're stomping on the tambourine yeah. live while you're playing and I, I don't know how you keep it all in in you know on track I mean how how long did it take you to get comfortable where you're like I can do this in front of you know 2,000 people now and and not worry about messing it up it was funny actually because I realized when I was using a tambourine you because I, I stamp it with my foot. Mm-hmm that you, if you stamp on a tambourine on the ground, nothing happens because <laughs> it has to have some resistance. Yeah. It's got to bounce back up basically for you to hit it. And so I, I need to patent it. And I, I feel kind of, I feel slightly nervous giving it, giving the secret away, but it's a, it's a cleaning sponge and duct tape. Oh, oh wow. that's fancy. Well, yeah, audio, uh, audio copyright. You're that's good. That's right. Yeah. You're, you're set. <laughs> yes. Verbal thank copyright. you. Verbal yeah. copyright. <laughs> so you mentioned the trilogy that you are at, at this point still in in the middle of or, or two two thirds of the yeah. way through. Um, it, tell us about um, for the for the people who may be new to the idea. Uh, tell us about how the how the idea for the trilogy came about, and then the first two albums, Ken and Wax, and sort of the difference in approach, and then maybe where you're headed. Uh, you know, in the in the conclusion. Yeah. So the trilogy. Um I didn't really think about that until after the first record was done. And I was actually on tour with Kin and I wasn't going to make a record for a while. I'd kind of, you know, gone through massive life changes. I'd got divorced. My dad had died. I'd moved continents. I'd sold everything I owned. And I, I really thought I was going to take a break. I felt pretty burnt out. And, and then I just was driving PCH and listening to Tom Petty and, Fleetwood Mac and just writing these kind of anthemic, that'll do it, you know, air punch <laughs> pop songs. And the, it just felt like a positive group of songs mm. that I think if I'd, if I'd written more of Invisible Empire, Crescent Moon, kind of melancholic folk stuff, I probably wouldn't have put a record out at that time. Um, but I really felt excited about what I was making and got this kind of rush of, uh, of excitement about putting that into the world and worked with Tony Hoffer. He's an amazing producer. Got a new manager and kind of, it was, it was a real second wind. And, um, and it was while I was on tour with that record, I'd got into meditating as part of a kind of just, 
a new life kind of tool. And it was during meditating in a park in Nashville. And I just suddenly right. thought I should do a trilogy. This this album is all about the kind of resurrection of the soul. Um, and I really love these, the soul, body, mind subjects and differences. And it's just such, and I love the idea of doing something conceptual and also doing something, a, a, a project that was longer than one record because, mm. you know, we're just getting into this world where you release a record and then it's done and right. you kind of over in a flash and you wait six months and then it's a comeback. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, you know, this is crazy. <laughs> I wanted to do something to kind of keep the flow of work going. And, um, and it's really been an amazing experience because I'm suddenly find myself, you know, seven years down the line finishing it off and the 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 third record is done just in the last round of mixing um so that's going to be coming out this year i'll tell our listeners both projects are fantastic i love two-way with james bay i'm hooked on the drum intro um and another great video game music video which is so cool (laughs) yeah it's really we've had a lot of fun with these videos that was a great one um little red thread off of on wax i actually heard um the acoustic version first. Um, so I heard your acoustic oh, version wow. before I heard that. And I was like, oh, I love that. Yeah. And then I heard the riff as it's supposed to be like on the, and I was like, oh, what yeah. a great opener. <laughs> and I'm like, that's the best opening track you've had since I have the telescope. I think it's a oh, great out the gates opener. So good stuff. I would tell yeah, our listeners, wax, pick them both up. Wax is, wax is probably my favorite record at the moment that I've made. Okay. It was the one that I really felt like I was able to capture the energy of my live performance on record. And I was working with Nick McCarthy from Franz Ferdinand um, and he's now producing. And it was just amazing working with him. And it really was like a garage full of guitars and keyboards and drums. (laughs) It was just, his studio is really DIY. And it was just really good to get back to that kind of gritty DIY vibe of making a record. Well, yeah. that's great. Well, you've been awesome. Yeah. We want to be respectful of your time. We've had a blast yeah. with you. Hope you've had a good time. There's one question that we ask everybody before we let them go. Yeah. So you're on tour either by yourself or with whoever, and you go into a gas station. What is your gas station snack food of choice? And while you're thinking of it, I'll tell you mine. I get a Three Musketeers bar every time. When I was growing up, my mom would say you could have any candy bar you want, and that's the most ounces. So, so awesome. I get a Three Musketeer <laughs> bar. What is your gas station snack food of choice? Choice. Jar of peanut butter. Okay. okay. Well, the right. jar. Yes. Just go in jar. The whole jar. How do you eat it? Spoon, crackers. You usually <laughs> have to grab a spoon. Might have a bit of celery in the bag. Okay. okay. All, All right. right. There you go. Peanut butter. Excellent. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, go peanut butter. Well, next Absolutely. time you're in. Uh, absolutely too essential. <laughs> well, next time you're in Nashville, look us up. We'll grab a jar of peanut butter we'll grab- and sit around and chat. <laughs> now, it, it, important question Sounds though. This great. is this is a divisive question. What is your if 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 all peanut butters are an option, which is the one that you grab as far as brand? Oh, I mean I'll do this even different. Would you go crunchy or creamy peanut yeah, butter? Yeah, that's an important oh, question as well. Crunchy. Okay. Oh, oh no, no. We're, we're, we were going so good. I'm Everything was awesome. I'm with you on crunchy. I'm yeah. creamy peanut butter. Okay. Always <laughs> crunchy. I, listen, I'm not mad at smooth. <laughs> okay. You ain't hating, but if okay. you get a choice. But we're probably, we're probably going to go skippy. 
Okay. Okay. That's it. It's a goodie. There you go. That's kind a of good. an underrated. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, when I'm at home, it's like the organic, no sugar, <laughs> gas station <laughs> rules. Gas station completely skippy. different. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. I also like those. I really like those bags of pickles. Oh, oh yeah, the little, okay. yes, that they have right up by the register. The little, Pickles and yes, peanut butter. they're really good. <laughs> Congratulations, that's different. We hear a lot of the same. You are different, yeah. so that's wonderful. I eat weird food. That's true. <laughs> Thank you so much You've for joining wonderful. us. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All the best. We'll catch up soon. Cheers. Bye. 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 This is the Great Song Podcast. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was Katie Tunstall. So awesome. So great. Uh, best of luck recovering your dentures after the <laughs> shot that she gave you to the mouth. And that uh, that wraps up Ladies Month. Yeah. Hope you guys have enjoyed May. Dude, this has been one of my favorite all-time theme months. It's been fun. You know what I mean? Just as far as... It was just all killer, no filler in yeah, Ladies Month. Good. Not that we ever bring filler. All I'm just killer, saying, no filler. That's just I like a phrase that. that you say. That's good. You know. That's good. But uh, yeah. And next week is a landmark episode for us. It's number 200. Yeah. Hey, So we're raising our, our goblets in celebration. <laughs> um, so come enjoy uh, episode 200. You know we go big yeah. on those landmarks. That's ones. right. Yeah, we're not letting off the pedal at all after Ladies Month. Uh, we are ramping up, actually, toward the end of the season. So we have just a few episodes left in season nine which is crazy to think about but uh man it's going to be a lot of fun so join us again next week for episode 200 of the great song podcast thanks for listening to the ladies month thanks for listening to modern men of pop before that whatever the crap else we did before that i don't know movie month i think it was all the stuff we've yeah, done this season it's been right. such a fun season to think that this season started like three months ago with YMCA, Felipe Rose. right felipe yeah. rose from ymca it seems like a year ago it does easy man. But it's been one season. This season's been so packed with awesome songs and yeah. guests. Uh, and, and we just got more coming. We are not letting up. So we'll check you guys next week. Until then, I'm Rob. I am JP. Go listen to some music.